Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It's a vibe with five, vibe with five, and you already know what it is. It's a vibe with five, vibe with five, and you already know what it is. Vibe with five, vibe with five, and you already know what it is. It's a vibe with five, vibe with five, and you already know this. Right, and welcome back to Vibe with Five. It's me, it's Joel, it's Farah, and it's Joel's comedy size trophy. I don't, I don't know what's what's the joke here. It's not a joke, bro. This is the trophy that you're going to see me carrying every single place I go once we win the league. I'm talking on holidays. I'm talking to the gym. I'm talking to the studio. You know. Um, you realise you've got to go and play City very, very soon at the Etihad. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I have faith in my team. You know, remember earlier on in the season? Oh, when it comes to October, you're going to see. Oh, when it comes to November, you're going to see. Oh, can they carry on after the World Cup? Steve. Well, you know you've phoned time. in every other competition to try and do yeah. this, so you better do it. Yeah, we will. Don't worry about it. We will. And if you don't? There because is you no, had it in your own chest today and decided to toss it off. I don't, I don't allow negativity, but let's address the people as to why Rio ain't here, Steve. Can you let them know, please? I have no idea why he's not here. Well, he's travelling at the moment, so he sends his massive apologies. He's as, he has sent us a video, um, obviously, uh, but he's, it's family time. He's coming back, so... Uh, yeah, thank you very much, Rio, for sending us the video anyway. But yeah, let's get it cracking, Steve. Where do you want to start? Farrah? There's only one place to start. Come on, Anfield yesterday. I guess that's the only place you can start. Yeah. Did you watch the game, Farrah? Of course I did. Of course what I did. What did you think? You know what? Arsenal was in control of the game. To go to Anfield and control the game, especially the first half, the way they did, I'm like, wow, this league's there. Like, I thought they took full control. They looked like a team that played like champions in that first, I'm going to say, 43 minutes. Because from when you conceded in the second half, it kind of... I wouldn't say it fell apart. I felt like you was winning the game. I think Liverpool took control of the second half. But yeah, you lot played that first 43 minutes like champions. I'm sitting there with Arsenal fans, my mates, going, mate, I nearly tweeted. You know what? I'm so happy I didn't tweet. I was about to tweet and go, mate, Arsenal are playing like champions already. And I'm so glad I didn't because the minute I was about to do it, they conceded within five minutes of that. So I would have got absolutely hammered. But you know what? I actually think a point at Anfield, let's not forget, Liverpool don't lose at home. They don't lose at home. So I think a point away is a good point. For me, it, it, it is a good point because I would have taken it before the start of the game. There's loads of um, evidence around me saying that I would take a draw. Um, obviously, when you're 2-0 two, two up, it doesn't... You right there, Steve? Magic me, mate. Okay. Obviously, when you're 2-0 up, it doesn't It doesn't feel great to, to concede to. But I think it changed when when Xhaka, like hyped up the crowd a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Like When he had the incident with Trent, for me, I just thought, no, we've seen this before. I remember when Arteta went against Klopp last time. Do you remember? It just wasn't a great move. Now, like what Roy Keane said, it didn't like it wasn't the end all be all, but at the same time, you kind of gave the crowd the fire they needed in their bellies. And and um I really wish he didn't he didn't do that. And um, but yeah, as, as as far as I'm concerned, second half, Liverpool came out and they were on 
form, man. It felt like pressure. Like I was just sitting there the whole day. I was thinking, we haven't had the ball. Like we haven't had the ball. At one point, the stats said 70-30. And I thought to myself, it feels like more here. It feels like Liverpool have had the ball like 90% of the time. It was mad. Unfortunately, second half, I thought um, some of our players got tired. You could see it. Like Saka wasn't his usual self, especially in the second half. Uh, you can see Zinchenko after, you know, Got nuts a little bit there. You can see he was just tired. Like you're right there, Farah. He was just I'm tired. Just saying, I'm naughty from Trent. I mean, I mean for the first goal, you know, Trent was it? The, no, actually the second one, Jesus goal. Trent got exposed. He kind of made up for it with that little Megs in it. Yeah, the little dink to the yeah. back post. But yeah, it it it, it was. A you, know tough what, you know what? There was so much. If you think about it, right? Arsenal haven't won there since 2012, right? So all them years they go to Anfield, they don't win. They've got those pressures of trying to break that that psychological factor around that, right? Mm. Also, Liverpool don't lose at home. Also, the pressures of everybody every week are going, when are Arsenal going to buckle? When are they going to buckle? These players hear that and they're trying to keep it tight inside, like they're trying to stay together. People aren't saying it again about Manchester City. So those pressures around winning their league for Manchester City aren't there in every game. They know what they've got to do, right? Arsenal have even bigger pressures because people are waiting for them to fail. Man City have been there before on the tails of Liverpool and them two, you know, going at it, Chelsea City over the years. Arsenal haven't. So there's so much more pressures for Arsenal currently to try and win this league than any other you team in history. That's what I believe. You bottled yeah. top four last season as well. It's, it's, it's people like Steve. It's people like Steve that are sitting here with those little. I'm sorry, bottles. you don't like the facts. You know, no, it's going to be difficult. I think. I think for sure. Look, they've got. I think. I don't even think Liverpool was the game where I think Arsenal are going to be tested. I think City away. Chelsea come at home in between that. Then Newcastle away. And Newcastle fighting for fourth. And then you've got Brighton who want Europe. So I think that them four fixtures are going to be telling for Arsenal. And I think if they can get out of that, you know, with only losing three, dropping three points, then they, they go on to win the league, don't they? Yeah, no. If they I, get through that, they'll deserve to win the league. Of That's course the they will. And I think, I think they've performed unbelievably this year. Yeah. And that's horrible. You know what? That's difficult to say for a Chelsea pattern. I hate the fact they're doing so well. But... I love football and they. when I watch Arsenal, I've watched them a lot in Europe, I've done some work with BT and they have been a joy to watch. The way they play, the way Arteta has changed that team, they are, for a neutral, they are a joy to watch. Difficult to say and admit as a Chelsea fan, but look, football's football, right? And they're performing well. If they win it, then they deserve it. But the XG from yesterday, it was a bigger kick-in than United got against them when we beat, we got beat 7-0. Oh, uh, Steve, no. no one cares, mate. No one cares. <laughs> XG's bigger than when we got beat seven. Really, that, that's a bad take. It's right a measurement there. of how the game went. You're, you're it's a very accurate measure of how the game went. That, because at the end of the day, it's about putting the ball in the net and they put it past yeah. you seven times. Anyway, what? as I'm saying, when you look at City's no, fixtures... Just it like that. That's how you... This is how you analyse football. When you, when, you, when you look at City's fixtures, before I go back and giving Arsenal the praise... Because there's a lot of praise that's deserved, especially Aaron Ramsdale. You, you are the one, my friend. Um, obviously, City got Bayern next. Then in between that, they've got Leicester. And then they've got Bayern again. So I'm just hoping that it's those games. Because then after that, they got um, Sheffield United in the FA Cup. Then they've got Brighton. And then they've got us. So it's like... Well, Brighton's postponed, actually. But it's like all these little games in between. I'm hoping the Champions League and the FA Cup slows them down. I know you're with me here, Farrah. I know, I know... You know what? I just... The City are used to this. They're used to this. They're used to going to, to, to the end of most competitions. <clears throat> They're their squad. You know, the way you... Arteta, so Arteta doesn't really rotate his squad and hasn't done this season in the league. 
And Pep, we've seen at City over the years, always rotating his squad in Cup, in Champions League and in the league. So I think in terms of the rotation and squad depth they have, I don't think that becomes a problem for them. And, 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 and who they're playing. You're saying Leicester between Bayern, that's probably a buy for them in terms of three points. I mean, you never know, Leicester, you know... You never know. They're going to lose at home. In, in business, you never know. Marsh you know turns him down. He doesn't even want to go there. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you no never know. So, uh, yeah, exactly. With Jesse there, you never, never, never know, of course. And like I'm saying, you've got the Arsenal game as well, which I think, I think there's a... Listen, we could go out there and win it, you know. We could. Yeah, we and could. you could have, you could lose it. And you've phoned in every other competition to try and focus on the league. And I swear to God, if you don't, you're not going to be able to sleep this summer. Really? Because <laughs> I'm going to carry that trophy around. Odegaard. We started really good. The first 40 minutes before they scored, we controlled the game. After their goal, the game changed and, and we didn't manage to keep the ball, which we've said. Uh, they created a lot of chances. Aaron Ramsdale was very good back there and he saved us. Frustrated, but we didn't have the, we didn't take, we took the point and we move on. Arteta on Ramsdale, he said he was superb again today. You need your goalkeeper at Anfield. It's a shame after we started well. The big lesson is in the first half that they came here and played with that personality. And Jurgen Klopp finally said, I'm caught in between being happy and not. I have no problems with drawing. Arsenal were good, but they could and should have lost this game. The point for them is better. So, it kind of backs what I'm saying, really, isn't it? Like, obviously, we wanted to take the three points, but same time, I'll take the point. I'll take it, man. I really will you take gotta, it. you got to analyse the game, though. Why was Arsenal dominant in the first half? Because they decided that Trent was going to have, like, a free roll at right back. He kept moving into midfield. He was all over the place. As soon as they changed that in the second half, because they did, Liverpool took control of the game. So you should have had the game out of sight while Trent was basically off the pitch and not involved in the game at all. I agree. But there was also a chance to go ahead, you know, Steve. There was one pass that should have been played to Bakayo Saka. I don't know if you saw Farah. And it was a bad pass from Martinelli. Saka was practically through on goal. We got him on the counter. And I just thought, what are you doing? There was a lot of, like, sloppy passes. You know, it, 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 you could tell that the players were tired. And it goes back to what you're saying. Because we don't rotate our squad enough, flipping strong bones, Godchild, little chili, you know, Saka. He's played... X amount of minutes, X amount of games, and you can see it's 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 wearing a toll on him, man. And he was nowhere to be found in the second half. Not digging him out. I'm just saying that's an example of what we saw, you know. And I think we should have taken off. We should have taken off Zinchenko a little bit earlier, anyway, because we know what he gets like when he's tired. We should have bought that's him. But, but, but also, he's so he's so attack minded. It's like, and I, I think I heard someone saying about it in these in these later, later games that are coming up. Do you need? You know, Tini, who's more defence-minded, probably more, you know, stability at the back, especially when you go ahead in these games. Like, you're right, should he have come off a little bit earlier? Because he is. Your, your game, when he plays, you don't play different. You play like with a full midfield. He goes and helps and overloads inside there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just feel like you're, you're a little bit exposed when mm-hmm. he plays against top teams because when you've got the baller in control, you look great. But as you say, the second half, when you haven't, he doesn't look great defensively. So I in possession, we're... I think he gives you some a different dimension for sure. But as you say, when you lose that control of the game and possession, which you did in the second half, yeah. you need to look at that and do it I early. Mean, it's like Trent just walked past him. I know it was a nut, but he just walked past him. And obviously, um, Firmino as well. Oh, what think... a player, man. What a baller. How is he like? I can't believe they ain't got a new contract for him. I can't believe he hasn't played as many minutes as he should have, especially in the moments they've been struggling. I don't get it for yeah. Liverpool. 
like, I, I, I really don't get it. It, it. it literally suits their style. Yeah. No, with, he's, with, with, when he came with, on, I was scared. And beyond, and obviously Gakpo now can do that, and Jota being back, I'm just like, I don't understand. I don't understand. Yeah. They need a vocal point there that likes to drop in to allow those runners beyond. Just can't, I can't understand. Here's that. what happened. They got called the greatest Liverpool team in history last summer, which they did. Jamie Carragher and Graham Souness both said, not only is this like the greatest Liverpool team of Jurgen Klopp's era, but it might be the greatest Liverpool team in history. Then they spent a couple of hundred million buying a right load of new players for it, and now they're looking like they might struggle to finish inside the top ten. That's what happened. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's it's been... There's a lot of... I think time tells the story, isn't it? Like, people talk about the test of time, and I think Virgil van Dijk, uh, who has been fantastic for them, you know, since he's been there, and I don't know, in the last... Like, this, not this the last, season, this season. You can already see it, Giles. You know what I was going to say? You know what annoys me about that? Is that you never hear anybody cussing him. You never hear pundits literally expose him. You hear every week for, for Liverpool, Trent gets absolutely ripped. And don't get me wrong, rightly so at times. Rightly so at times. I think he, he plays too advanced for Liverpool and gets exposed defensively. This is Trent. But Van Dijk yesterday, for Jesus' goal, how they didn't rip into him, he's positioning as a centre-half, there was one player in the box to mark. That was Jesus, right? Canate is now taking out a position because as Trent's positioning to start wasn't great. But already you could see Trent was recovering Kanati's position. How, for the life of me, Van Dijk doesn't think to pick up Jesus. There's no one, there's no danger at the front post. There's one player in the box. And then you can see Robinson sprinting to try and make up ground. He should have just picked him up. Martinelli is going nowhere. He's going nowhere. He's already got Kanate up on him, right? So they're going to try and stop the cross, which they didn't. But then he had Trent inside recovering that run. So there was no other player there. How is Van Dijk not picked up? He don't like to defend. He only likes I need to, defend. to I need to address Jamie Carragher. But he don't right. like to, he doesn't like to defend Van Dyke. He just plays with the ball. The modern day centre half, they say. But everybody wants to put him in the top five all time Premier League centre halves. No way. Yeah, he's not even close no to way. being the best Dutch centre half. So, Jamie Carragher, I think this is this morning. Jamie Carragher, Virgil van Dyke is far better than Vidic. What? Who was a top centre back. But have you forgotten his performances against Torres? It's all right. I've got the receipts. Torres scored three goals in 15 games against Vidic, right? Three in 15. Marcus Rashford has got six in 13 against Van Dijk. Are we prepared to have a conversation saying that Rashford owns Van Dijk? Because I'm not, right? So how is three in 15? Do you remember? Like there was one game where he got sent off and he got his ass handed to him. That was it. And everyone just extrapolates that into every single time that they played each other. It's all bollocks, right? He also says, Rio and JT had poor seasons in their career, like all players. Van Dijk is having one now. But what about last season? Like, he had I probably think... two or three very, very, very good seasons. Top, top seasons. But he's been carried on that reputation since then. Then he says, no centre-back in the Premier League era has ever had Van Dijk's impact on a team. Yapstam wants a word. Do you know? Do you know what it is, Steve? I think it's because again, Liverpool as a team, they progressed so far last season. Let's not forget they were in the Champions League final. They won the FA Cup. You know, for like they they did pretty all right. And I think, I think since Virgil's injury, I'm not saying that's the only excuse, but he he hasn't quite been the same. And um, and I don't think I don't know if we'll ever see him to the the levels he was. You know, for the two three seasons he played, and um, yeah, even, though, even in a, even in his good season, job, he was good with the ball. 
It never got exposed defensively because Liverpool was such a, a front foot, high pressing team from the front. So rarely did we ever see, and that's the same with Trent, rarely did we ever see any of their back line really get exposed defensively, 1v1, and have to pick up and, and go one and show us how you have to move your feet and get in the right position. They never have to. Def attackers, sorry, teams don't set up with two attackers. So he never has to think about that option. So he's always with the ball. And he's very good with the ball. He's very he, good. He, he was a deep, you can't go on like he couldn't defend. I'm not saying no, that's yeah, what you're saying. He hasn't actually been exposed defensively. And, 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 that's, that's, that's the same with Cancelo as well. You know, we saw it earlier on this season, like exposed a little bit, you know, before he, before he got the move and that. Like you, you, some of these players, they benefited a lot playing with teams that had the ball. And again, I think Zinchenko is one of them as well. You know what I mean? You, 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 you can't really question his defending because you've never really seen him defend before. And I don't think that's his best attribute. I think Kieran Tierney's better than him at that. But hey-ho, um, does Rio's that mean... Also he... a, hang on, Rio's also had a chat about this. So let's throw that in say? right here. I mean, Liverpool's defending. I don't know what I'm seeing at the moment. I can't get my head right. Van Dijk has been the best defender in the world, arguably, for the last couple of years. He looks a shadow of himself. He's lost form, obviously. He said that in a post after the game. Personally and collectively, we've lost form not playing the way we, we normally would, and that's fine, that's fair. Um, him, Trent, oh, I've just got to get back to basics. The way you get yourself out of ruts like that is to just get back to basics. I see Jamie Carragher tweeted something about Van Dijk's dad and Vinicius. I don't know why, or why that was said or whatever, but and he mentioned Torres. I think Torres scored three goals in 15 games against Vidic. I think it's a bit of, a, bit of a myth. I think he had a couple of dodgy moments in those games and he got set up a couple of times but that's kind of been amplified into saying that he got tortured every time it ran against Torres which wasn't the case three goals in 15 games Rashford's I think got six in 13 games against Liverpool does that mean he's tortured Van Dijk and Van Dijk can't handle him because if that's what you're saying about we're using the same methodology we're using Zafidic with the way Rashford's Scoring goals against, I think it's just under one in two games. One every two games he scores against Liverpool. I don't know. I don't know why Virgil's name was thrown in there. Because people, I think, are hammering Virgil van Dijk about his performances of late this season. He's had a bit of an off-season, which he has. And I think he'd, be, he'd admit that. It's difficult. I don't know, but it's mad. It's prime time as well. He's prime time. The problem is he had a big injury, and that injury was one of the things we all said, can he come back from an injury? Next season's going to be the telling one. He's had this season to get himself fit and get himself up to speed. He's all good guy again. And I think as players, you've got to just go back to basics. I think Trent's in that position now. What Trent had for a while in, that, in three or four years was their team was on fire. He was on fire. So wingers weren't getting the ball without being under huge pressure, probably being starved of the ball a little bit. And they were sitting there and going, right, I've got, I've got to do something immediately. Getting no rhythm in their game terms. It was a bit, it's a bit easier when it's that. You can go and you can engage those players quicker. But also those players don't engage you with a lack of respect. They end up thinking, oh, I've got to respect Trent. He's what he's doing the other way. And I think that's changed a little bit in season based on the team performances and his own personal performances in that. And I'm seeing players now that I think a year or two ago wouldn't even face Trent up. But they're now turning, face him and going, right, I want to give you a bit now. And he has to spin that around and change that. Because as a defender, you, you, you get money in the bank and, and buy it. 
performance is not just individually, but your team being dominant and on the front foot and being aggressive. So teams coming and individual coming against you a little bit apprehensive, a little bit digy, a little bit scared. These teams ain't scared of Liverpool right now and they ain't scared of the individuals in that team either. So they're going to be asked different questions now and they're going to be asked, can you defend against me? Can you go 1v1? And I want to turn and face you every time I get the ball if you ain't right up against me. And if you allow me to turn, I'm going to go past you. And that's a very different approach to what Trent's been seeing for the previous three or four years. So it's very difficult and it's, he's got to adjust now. And I think if I'm Trent, I was a young player who was recognised for being better on the ball than descending in my younger days. Trent's like that. Trent on the ball, you can't talk to him. Ridiculous. Ridiculous output. We saw the nutmeg on Zinchenko, popped it through and deliver, assist. We know that with Trent, one of the best in the game at that. But you've got to go back to basics in these times of need when things aren't going well, when confidence is low, when other people are smelling blood around you and thinking you're ready for the taking, you're ripe. That's when you've got to go into the game. When you're not called a first, like a defender, first defender, you have to start thinking before the game, I'm a defender, what do I need to do against that? That, struck, that that attacking player now. My direct competition today is that win off. He likes to get behind, he likes to do this. Start visualising what that player likes to do and visualise yourself tackling them first, getting in first, winning your jewels, winning your header, getting the ball and getting in 1v1 and winning, coming out with the ball the other side, running into the channel, running over your head when the ball's played over your head. Don't think about the ball. Trent doesn't need to think about or prepare himself with the ball because he's that good. That's how I felt. On the ball just came naturally. Defending is what you've got to think about. You go into the game with a mindset, I'm going to defend first. You'll get your defensive stuff right, which builds confidence for yourself, but also your teammates. So I think that's where Trent is now. He needs to start reconfiguring his mind and mindset and his approach to games to give himself the best chance. Because there's no doubt Trent's ability is ridiculous. I was just thinking, yeah, I don't, I, I'm not going to sit here. I don't, I don't go with people saying that he's he's become a bad player and he's he's rubbish and he's this. I don't, I'm not having that. I just think it's a mindset thing. Approach the game differently, and you'll see better results. Simple as. But yeah, guys, listen, it's been a great, a great few days of getting myself my energy back up. But boy, I'm ready to get back into it, man. This is have a good show, guys. Enjoy it. Frank Lampard's back in the hot seat. Didn't get the win that he wanted at the weekend, but. I'm hoping and praying that he gets himself back up to speed and puts himself in a good position by the end of the season. I know Steve won't be happy with that. I know you won't be happy, Steve, but that's my pal. And I want to back him. But if he does need to be told that he needs to be gone, I'll be first to do that as well. But I'll give him a little bit of time, but I will, I'll say what needs to be said, like I've done with Ollie. Do you know what I mean? Give him the contract. Became a meme. But when it was time to go, you've got to be honest enough to say it. Simple as. But anyway, guys, listen. Take it easy. Have a good show without me. Won't be the same. I know that. But enjoy. Steve, so does that mean that the stats, I say stats, but this saying that Torres ripped Rio and Vidic, are we saying it doesn't exist or are you just like covering up as United? But like what? Let me know. Because... It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Torres at Liverpool was excellent. And that Liverpool team was very, very good. I think it was a Liverpool team that took, took it to come in second behind us. But saying that, look, look, if he exposed Vidic after scoring 
three and 15 games against us. And I don't think they even won that many of those games, by the way. If he, and you got to remember, this is when Sir Alex Ferguson used to ask him to play 1v1 on the halfway line against a player with that sort of pace. He's going to expose a lot of people doing that. Um, if he's exposed Vidic, which he hasn't, then Marcus Rashford literally owns Trent. You know, there's stuff that Marcus has done to Trent he's going to have to tell a counsellor about. So <laughs> I just think the, the way Liverpool are protected in the media, can you ever imagine a United pundit coming out the way Jamie Carragher has just done there and it just being sort of like accepted? It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen with any other club, actually. Do you ever see a Chelsea pundit coming out and saying similar things? Or do you ever see Terry Henry coming out and, and um, defending Arsenal? So that sort of level. You don't see it. Liverpool are the only club that are allowed to be unbiased fans when they're employed as pundits. Like, no other uh, team allows it. I agree. But then sometimes there's other instances. For example, Roy Keane on on Robinson being elbowed was... That was biased. Do you know what I mean? Like, And don't get me wrong. Yeah, like, he's talking about him I being... I think a you baby. find Roy Keane says exactly the same sort of stuff. No, no, he's being a big baby. You can't say that. You can't say he's being a big baby. Right, Why? because he's not being a big baby. End of the day, if Mitrovic is out here getting eight match bans and stuff like that, yeah, then there should be some sort of repercussion on the linesman or whoever the heck. You can't be out here elbowing players. Well, Are you mad? If you're going to play it by the same rule as what Mitrovic got done for, Mitrovic got done for touching the referee. Yeah. Robertson touched the linesman, hence why he... No, no, no. He, well, it's a, it's a I don't think he accepts the linesman mate. elbowing him. Can mate. I finish? Right? It doesn't mean that the li- the linesman should be allowed to elbow him, but you've got to think that the linesman's not expecting any sort of contact. So if he's he's going to move him away, accidentally caught him, Stay. he's not going out to elbow him, has he? Is that what you're saying? Stay. Are you saying that Stay. he's gone out to elbow Stay. him? Stay. Well, it's pathetic. He's shouldn't be doing, doing this. You've got, you got the footage right here. A linesman shouldn't be doing this, bruv. Under no circumstance. So what? You shouldn't yeah, be fucking touching him. Don't touch him. How about you wouldn't touch a tiger's tail, would you? What do you think is going to happen? So don't oh, touch him. Linesman's a tiger now, yeah? Come on, Don't man. touch him. Stay, stay, Don't stay. touch the linesman. Stay, shouldn't be doing that. If you've got that, to apply the same rules that happened with Mitrovic, do not and touch then, the referee, do not touch the linesman. Not, I'm not defending the linesman for elbowing him, but you instigate him by like touching him. Don't sounds fucking like touch are, him. Steve. Simple. Sounds like you are. And on top of that, Kino's here going, oh, he's being a big baby. No, of course he's not going to be happy. Can't call him a big baby. Of course he's not. He was being be a baby before the incident. That's what he was talking about. Not the fact that he got elbowed and was moaning about it. No, 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 no. no. He he's he's moaning about the fact that he's he getting up all around baby. the linesman at half time. Go, nah, getting, I think he said get in the tunnel the and start get on with the game. We've seen players do that. That happens on a weekly basis. Can't turn around all of a sudden and be like, oh yeah, he shouldn't be there. Everyone does it. So that, it, it, there's huh? no excuse for the for the Roy linesman. was right. None. Free Keane. He was absolutely bang on. Talk about biasness now, innit? Biasness. Um, before we move on, Farah, um, <laughs> I'm going to ask where do you think, uh, where do you think Arsenal will finish? Do you reckon we still win the league or we come second? You know what? I've said all along. Well, I'm saying I've said all along at the beginning of the season. I chose Liverpool to win the league, so obviously I haven't said it all along. But since this has been going, since Arsenal found this form. And it's between them and City. I, I actually thought City were going to do it just because they've been there before. The pressures, the fact that their squad, they use their players more than what Arsenal do. I thought at some point Arsenal would fatigue. They have shown otherwise. I think Arsenal have shown otherwise. So it's difficult to pick. Like, Of course, I think neutral fans want it to be different. They want Arsenal to win for that reason. Um, they don't want it to be the same. They don't want City to win every year. But 
I don't know. I think City have more in them to go on and win it. Um, I don't know. Them four games I mentioned earlier, I think they're going to be telling for Arsenal, for sure. But I certainly think that they have the players if, if they can, as you said, they just seemed tired yesterday. And then it worries me them four games on the bounce because three of them in the space of like, I think 10 days, are they? Mm. But do you, so do you see us winning the league, yes or no? No. Okay. Steve? Where do you see Arsenal winning the league this season, or do you reckon City City have got it now? It's going to be very close. I think it's yeah. going to be very, very close. Um, I think a lot of it is, you know, hardly the 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 greatest insight the world's ever seen here. But a lot of it's going to hinge on that game at the Etihad. I think if you go there and beat them, the psychological impact of that could be enough. Um, but I, I think you're you're equally capable of. of of folding as well, whether you want to admit that or not, I, I think you are. You know, you've you've gambled everything on being able to do this because you've not turned up in the rest of the cups. And we saw Jose do this when he was at United. He could have finished top four, decided he wanted to try and win the Europa League to to get into the Champions League, and managed to pull it off. So it it can be done. It's a risk though, and you know you've you've gloated about it for so long, and the Arsenal fan base has been stroking themselves so long about this. All I keep saying is you better hope you win it because it's going to be horrendous for you if you don't. And the other thing is as well, if you don't win it this season, I think it could be a long time before you do win it because I do not think you'll be anywhere near the top two next year. Once you'd be expected to, you'll have the expectation of what's happened this season and people have a bit more knowledge about how you play and how you're effective. That's going to be harder for you. People aren't going to treat you as lightly as they did this season. And then you're going to have Champions League and the expectation of Arsenal fans. And I've seen this with United. We came second and third and, and actually miles off, but the expectation went up because we signed, you know, we signed Sancho, Ronaldo and Varane. Everyone's like, right, title challenge now. That's, that's what's expected. And when it doesn't happen, it can turn quick. So... If you sign a couple of players, even if you come second this season, the expectation next year will be to challenge again and you might not be up to it. Well, that's that's a lovely speech, but we all know what I think. <coughs> just stay tuned, Vibe with Five. I'm, I'm just, we just know. I, honestly, you will see me at a parade celebrating. You know what, like, Joe? For like, your sake, I hope that you do win it. Honestly, because how are you going to even enter the office or the studio ever again? <laughs> you don't need to worry about all of that, Farrah, uh, because we're winning it. I'm not worried. I'm not worried. Right. Let's move it on to uh, Man United beating Everton 2-0. Uh, goals from Scott McTominay, the goal machine, and uh, Marshall as well coming back. Um, Steve, you obviously watched this game. Um, great bounce back, isn't it, after the Newcastle defeat, right? Yeah, we looked really leggy and uh, the attitude and application was all over the place against Newcastle. I thought it was going to be a lot harder game. 2-0 properly, properly flatters Everton. Um, it, it was nowhere near a 2-0 game. United have got to be so much better with our finishing than we were. Um, perhaps highlights the need for a striker that we've, we've got. But I was surprised that Everton came out and was so open. Um, you think Sean Dyche coming to Old Trafford. I've seen this film before. I know how he's going to go down. And he didn't go down like that. It was really, really end-to-end. The... They had a high line. When have you ever seen Sean Dyche play a high line before? He tried to press us in our half, uh, tried to have a high line, and we were just bopping it over the top for the pace, yeah, getting working, in like, time and time and time again. Sancho had a brilliant game. Chances. Yeah, Sancho was creating chances like you bet me couldn't. 
Um, Anthony had a, a ton of shots. Rashford had a ton of shots. Both of them should have been better with their finishing. Um, nice positive sort of result, really, for, for the return of Casemiro. Nice to see Ericsson back in the United shirt. You know, Bruno had a, an absolute, you know, 10 out of 10 of a game. Really excited to see what those three can produce as a midfield if we get to play them together before the end of the season. Yeah, I, I, I know we, we're sticking on this game, but I also forgot to mention it was you grinded a result as well against Brentford, which was really important uh, with um, Rashford showing that, you know, he's, you know, at one point I thought, is he going to have a bit of a dip in the season? But, you know, he got back on it really. Um, but yeah, back to the Everton game. Um, yeah, you look solid, man. Um, it was a bit of a shame. I thought United were going to like start crumbling to the end of the season, but I think top four is pretty much secure now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I don't think so. I think um, United have got so many rough games coming up. We're still in Europa League. We're still in the FA Cup, unlike you lot. We're still fighting on all them different fronts. And we've got an over-reliance on Marcus Rashford for goals, and I don't know the extent of his injury yet. I think that saying that we're shooing for top four, not for sure. You don't know what sort of impact a new manager is going to have at Spurs. You know, Newcastle have only got that one thing to play for, and it's a massive achievement for them to do it. So, you know, finishing top four for United is kind of expected regardless of where we've been in recent years. But finishing top four for Newcastle is is almost like winning a trophy. That's going to be celebrated that way um, if in Newcastle if they do get that. So I don't think you can say United are definitely going to finish in the top four. I think we should. I think we, we're more than capable of doing so, but I think saying that we definitely will is a little bit giddy at the moment. There's still a hell of a lot of football to play and there's still a hell of a lot of points that we could drop. You know, we, we've, you know, we've put together a decent run of wins lately but it's there's no no certainty mate i just think i just think you're too strong to not do so and what you're saying doesn't mean what you're saying is wrong i just think especially with the return of marshall i think that's key man because it, well, you it, the teams they're playing they've got to play spurs still don't they brighton villa so teams around them still that are fighting for europe we've we've been still winning europe for themselves there's, yeah, <clears throat> I don't know, and then they've obviously got teams see. that are fighting to stay up. They've got, and they've still got Bournemouth. Uh, who else have they got down I, the bottom? Yeah, but we've all. It's easy to say. I that just think, no, I think they're, they're win, I think they're all winnable games for United. Yeah. Uh, we've seen their away form not been great. They, they away form Sorry, you got away, away form You got away to Tottenham and Brighton. I think you get. So, to, I think I you think, can more than capable of I'm getting. West Ham are fighting. So I don't know. It's just they got a West Ham. They should beat. They should win these games. More than really. more than capable of again <clears throat> beating Brighton away. Um, I don't see United losing. It maybe you know a draw at best, but for Brighton, but now nah, I think United have got this in the bag, man. They do. They should do. Uh, Steve Scott McTominay. 
two shots, one shot on target, one goal, uh, 88 pass accuracy, two dribbles, one, four aerials, one, two successful tackles. He's now scored five goals in five appearances for club and country. So they All right, him. yeah, but four he's of them mad. came in two games for country. Yeah, so I know. I know. Let's, <laughs> let's put some perspective and context onto this little start. Right. <laughs> Bruno had 100 and some passes, 86 out of 100 passes, something like that. Absolutely ran the show. United well. bypassed our midfield. Sabitzer and McTominay, off the top of my head, had somewhere in the region of like 23, 25 passes each. So we didn't really play through midfield. Defensively, I thought Scott gave us quite a lot and he was always going to win against the Sean Dyche kind of team. Uh, and he, he did excellent. Uh, his movement for his goal was brilliant. But he wasn't man of the match. Like... Who scored use an algorithm to to count how many passes and how many shots and and they weight that all into you know giving it a rating? No, it was Bruno or Sancho. Um, having Scott as a backup player in the squad is is good because that's the level he should be and he's capable of coming in and and doing a decent job in games. But United are going to be in a good place when he no longer starts for us, in my opinion. Really. Well, yeah, look at the option that we've got. You could have a midfield of Bruno Eriksson, Casemiro. Where's Scott McTominay fit into that? Who does he improve? How long has he got left in his contract? I was going to say, do you no think idea. he'll go in the summer? Ain't there interest from Newcastle? Or is that just like... It seems to be. No idea if it's real. Mm. I'd keep him because I think he's... He seems like he's got a pretty good attitude. I mean, he does 5Ks in about 13 minutes, which is ridiculous. So he's obviously fit. You no, know, he's obviously capable of covering some ground, and so there's you know if you use the right tool for the right job, sometimes there's a game where you go, oh, we need a bit of that in this midfield today. You know, you're going to play off the back foot against this lot today, and there's a time and a place to play him. Not every game you're going to dominate. You can't play the same way against every single team. So I'd I'd love to have squad Scott McTominay as a squad player at United, but he shouldn't be starting. You know, all he should not be first choice. Put it that way. Yeah. Um, I want to move it on to Southampton versus City real quickly. I mean, I don't know, man. I had hoped, Farrah, I had hoped that City <laughs> would drop the points. Honestly, like, I switched it off by the time I saw Haaland's scissor kick. I just oh, thought, all right, mad. now, bedtime. What can, we, what can we say about City? You didn't think they were going to go and lose to Southampton, did you actually? I know Southampton, I remember last season, I don't even know if it was early this season, I got a draw of them, but not without City dominating and not being clinical. They, there was no, there was nothing in me that thought that City were going to lose that game. I don't know. I'm just hoping I that it's the smaller teams that are holding up. Arsenal going into Sunday's game and Haaland's goal, like, the, the guy is a machine. I know we keep talking about it. And him and him and De Bruyne's link up, just mad. But you know what? You know, Grealish is the one for me at the minute. Like, the four we've been in since since the World Cup. And you know what? He wasn't... I, I liked him at Villa. I like I like what, what he has as a player. Didn't think he fitted into the Manchester City team, in my opinion. I thought he was struggling big time under Pep and, and his style. I think it took a lot away from Grealish's game. Mm-hmm. But how... Two things. How Pep's coached him into, the, into fitting into City, but also how Grealish has been able to adapt and fit himself into the team. I think it takes both both sides for that to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think he's been unbelievable since, since the World Cup. <coughs> sure, goals and assists, which... You know, for his price tag, we expected, and it was a given. You know, from the outside, people outside were like, "You know what? With that price tag, he needs to be doing this, that, and the other." But he's starting to show what he's worth now. And right. that he's a constant in that team, and I think maybe even the constant of playing, getting your rhythm, like understanding players around you, I think has really helped him for sure. 
Yeah, and I just want to add as well, sometimes people talk about the goals and assists, but I noticed this before the World Cup. Sometimes his link-up play to De Bruyne, who then plays it to Haaland, is actually underrated. Like, he's doing a lot in there. He really is. And obviously, you need the stats and the goals to back it up, and he's added that. But I I just think he's been such a massive, massive help this season for City, especially... I'm glad, like, like you said, it's like he's got the old... Grealish back where he's taken on players like last year he seemed like he was trying to fit into the, some robot system and it just wasn't working for him but yeah no I think it's too late for him to have a shout for um, player of the season but he's definitely had a fantastic season so far mm. what's that what's that Steve? I know he's grinning not what you grinning go on talk to us you're talking about him being a potential player of the season have some shame man no it's too I said it's too late it's Steve. I didn't say oh, it's too late it's just yeah. wrong if you take, take, for example, what he's been doing in the last two, three months, which I know it's an eight-month season, but, you know, he's shown fantastic form. He really has. And you can't take that away from him. Okay. What's your thoughts then? I I think, yeah, he's he's playing all right, but this is a £100 million signing. What was Graham Sooner saying? You've got to score and assist every single game if you're a £100 million signing. Pretty sure that's what he said. Yeah, Ludicrous but that's at the not... time, but these are the standards that apparently Graham Soonis wants to set. The man who signed Ali Dia, that is, by the way, on the back of a phone call. From yeah, but these, these price tags are mad now. With the way that the game's gone, the price tags are mad. So it's really difficult. So he's £100 million. He's got to be doing X, Y, and Z. It's madness. Oh, let's not start on you, Farrow, with Chelsea and how many £100 million signings you've got. got. Oh, I love it. I love that we spend loads of money. Keep spending. Yeah. <laughs> you've got yeah. to spend it. And we're still crap. <laughs> yeah, you can't come out here talking about oh yeah, hundred million pounds. Whatever Graham Sooner says, that's his problem. But you guys got ninety million pound Anthony to be worrying about over there. Do you know what I mean? So give really his props when he deserves it, man. He's played well, and that's it, really. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So don't want to talk about City too much, man. They're jarring. Spurs. I'll run the rest of it down. Like Spurs get a cheeky two one win against Brighton. Uh, they got they got lucky there, in it, Farrell. They got lucky. Yeah, Matoma penalty shout. But the, the, the difficulty is when the referee doesn't give it in open play, it, unless it's absolutely clear and obvious miss, the, the VAR aren't going to come back to it. They're just going to allow for the on, on-field decision to be made, which they did. And don't get me wrong, we slow it down. He's been clipped. He's moving away from goal. There's so many things that you can look at from VAR. Mm-hmm. Another day that would have been a penalty. If you, if you look back to before Christmas or before these recent weeks, VAR started to change, you know, even with, with some of their decision-making on the field. Um, a little bit more lenient and back to the, the old ways, which which we all enjoy more. Um, as I said, I don't know if there was enough in it for them VAR to even get involved, but on another day it would have been a penalty with a different VAR room. It's a joke the way VAR has been implemented. I mean, it was obvious it was going to happen like this. I watch Rugby League. And what happened when they introduced the video ref in Rugby League is referees stopped making decisions and mm. allowed the video ref. Every like A run-of-the-mill try would just be like, well, let's go and check. Whereas if you didn't have the video, it's a try. You're not even thinking about it. Mm. Whereas referees are too scared to make decisions now. So like you said, they're just allowing the on-field decision to to make, you know, to be the call thinking OVAR will get it. But if it's 50-50 or it's iffy, like they're not going to overrule it when it's not blatantly obvious. What's wrong with making the decision and getting it wrong and having VAR say, no, it isn't a penalty and crack on. That was a like I saw Brighton fans claiming conspiracy that they say that the the Premier League don't want smaller clubs involved, which is nonsense because City have won how many, 
Arsenal are about to win the league, according to Joel. Newcastle are inside the top four. So that's nonsense. But I absolutely stand with them when they say that that was a joke of a refereeing performance. They had yeah. multiple goals that they should have been allowed and, and weren't. It was a disgrace. Yeah. I mean, we, 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 we saw a lot of action there, whether it be what we wanted to see or not. Even the manager squared up, innit? Like, which was interesting. Oh, uh, mate, that happened before the game. They shook hands and it seemed all calm. And then next thing, I'm like, mm. what's the internet? Like, I just wish there was somebody translating that to me. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 sent off. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. But I want to move it on, Farah. Oh, we're not talking Your team. Oh, Super Frank is back. Steve, you usually call this segment, How's Your Mate? And normally it's to Rio. And oh, mate. Still- Farah, do you know Frank? Sorry? Do you know Frank? I don't know him personally, no. All right, okay. He sent yeah, me a really nice private message, which I was obviously over the moon with being a Chelsea fan and obviously watching him for many years as a super Frank Lampard player for Chelsea in terms of trophies he won, goals he scored. But that was him as a player. My opinion of him as a coach coming back, I don't agree with it. He hasn't worried it. I don't understand it. So, yeah, I, I get like... I was, I was trying to get my head around it. I was so disappointed when I saw him at the game. I knew there was only one reason why he was at the game. He hasn't been seen in public since his sacking of Everton. Really? Like, week against Chelsea and Liverpool, and they zoom in on him. I'm like, what's going on here? So I started to think, nah, it can't be. Like, And then the next day, I'm hearing an interim role till the end of the season. And then I'm seeing Chelsea fans, deluded Chelsea fans, super Frank Lampard's back, like welcome home and all this nonsense. He got sacked from Chelsea for a reason. He wasn't good enough at the time. He'd gone away to Everton, nearly got them relegated, right, and kept them up because their fans are mad crazy. And if he didn't, it would have been the end of him. And then he gets sacked the following season because, again, he couldn't buy a result. So to then go, I'm going to employ him because he's super Frank Lampard. And as a player, he was phenomenal for Chelsea. And his records are just out there. And we can't deny him of, you know, he's a legendary status as a player, but not as a coach. The only thing I can think of is that they're trying to bring the, the fans as a complete disconnect. You know, I've been to Ch- the Stamford Bridge and there's no connection now between the fans and the club. There's just a disconnect, uh, you know, from when Potter took charge, the fans have lost all sorts of trust in the club. Now, I don't know if they've brought him back in for that reason. Let's bring Lampard back. Let's get that love back for the club. Let's get that connection and we'll give ourselves or buy ourselves time to make a good decision come the summer because they made a poor decision. You sacked Tuchel cool for Potter. It's the worst decision in football history. So now they're thinking, okay, we need to buy ourselves time because we need to get our next manager right. Especially if the talk of we're looking for a long-term manager, that was nonsense. Paul was never going to be long-term because he was never good enough. Aren't you talking to Mourinho as well? Sorry? You know what? I'm not talking to Mourinho. I take Mourinho. He's a winner. He knows how to win games. He knows how to manage big players. He is a winner, regardless of anything. Regardless of his style of football or whatever. It doesn't matter. No one don't remember how. Yeah, but play. look at the squad you've built. You've built a squad of potential young players that are free flowing attacking players. Jose's going to come in and scream at that squad. No, no, he don't. He's, He's like, do that. get me a forty year old centre half. Let's go. Haters, man. There's so much haters around Mourinho. What an absolute legend. He won everything. I love Mourinho. I don't Mourinho, care. I'll take him back tomorrow. Mourinho wants to come back. Him or Ancelotti, you're more than welcome. Tuchel, Ancelotti, Mourinho, you are more than welcome back. How true is it from your sources, Farah, that uh, Todd Bowley turned to James Corden uh, when considering <laughs> hiring Frank Lampard? Is there any truth in that? <laughs> Mate, that's the first I've heard. I ain't got a clue. 
I want that to be true with oh, every wait, fiber true, of my being. Or oh, even listeners to fans on Twitter's faces. You never know. That sums up where the club and, and the whole joke around him even taking charge of the, of the club. You can spend Someone get me James Corden. We need a new gaffer. Mate, I can't even. <laughs> I can't. I mean, I was trying, like, even Olivia, was like, she was trying to convince me that this is a good move. I don't know how he takes this team against Real Madrid on, uh, tomorrow. I don't yeah. know how he takes it. I don't know what he does with it. Heard his interview after Wolves that we can't be deflated from that game, can't get too low. Bloody hell, going away to Wolves and losing the way we did. Yeah, it, it weren't nice, was it? Yeah, when when that Champions League... That goal, was don't get me wrong, that goal was a bad man goal. <laughs> but flipping now, we shouldn't be losing. Yeah. We shouldn't be. It's sad. The whole hype should have been a whole, like, you know what they say? Another manager comes in, a little bit of fresh. And you, yeah, you get manager bounce. Boy Hodgson. We, he didn't have that. Hey. He had that on us. <laughs> Roy Hodgson. What's that now? Like, he scored five yesterday. Was it two in the first game? Seven in two. Remember when Roy couldn't score a goal a game? Slapping up Leeds, you know. Oh. Away. I couldn't believe it. Um, no, when oh. Leeds lose, they, they can lose heavy. I know, but at home, that was that was rough, man. That was, oh, that was a big that was a big defeat. I'm gonna run through the rest of the results as we're coming to the end of uh this week's episode of Viber Five. Villa beating Nottingham Forest 2-0. Go on, Steve. Say what you're gonna say. They're fifth, no. Emre's done a job there. It's amazing what a good manager can do in it. <laughs> How's well, Frank Lampard it, and Steven Gerrard not just being talked about getting jobs? After the absolute massacring that they did on their clubs, they they should be taken to court for negligence. The way that they managed both of their clubs, it was horrendous. Every, every week, Farah, it's the same. He doesn't miss it. Right, he but am I wrong? Emery come in and was like, "All right, let me roll my sleeves up." Has no one won more points apart from like? No, nah, he's done unbelievable. That's what I'm saying. He's done, like he's coming. Even when you hear Leon, like, Leon Bailey, yeah. When when he, I, I don't know if you you heard his Talksport interview. I'm, I'm like when he talks about the coaching that Emery uh, done when he went in. Like, it sounds unbelievable. And, and it sounds like every player knows their role within that whole squad. And it sounded like under Gerrard, they didn't. Yeah, because look at the way Gerrard played. He was a passion merchant that just played for himself. He didn't have the idea of a concept of a team. Like, he was just a guy that ran around and Royal Rovers did. Like, there was no sort of concept. It's no surprise to me whatsoever that Michael Carrick looks like the the, the greatest manager the world's ever seen in the championship. Absolutely rousing it up. Congratulations on manager of the month. And you got Steven Gerrard out here just like nearly relegating fuckers. You know what I mean? Is that a United Liverpool thing? No, that's a Steven Gerrard uh, is is just is. some reason just loved by the media. Like, how do you end up in the Premier League Hall of Fame? Guy's not even seen a trophy. Oh, come on. How was he a first round Hall of Fame pick? Well, I, I don't agree with the rounds. Scandalous. I don't agree with the round, but he deserves to be there. No, he right, deserves on. to be there. That's moving ridiculous. On. Every Brent single person Fuss. who's won the trophy deserves to be in before him. Yeah, and I said, I don't agree with the rounds, but as a Hall of Famer, he deserves to be in there. I don't care if First it's round year. pick. Yeah, not, I don't agree with the round, but he deserves to be there. Um, he deserves to be there? Brentford won, Newcastle two. Now, yeah. You know, Ivan Tony, this is a penalty. Oh, Guess come back in, but Newcastle looking like a problem. Uh, Isak doing bits. Callum Wilson showing me that, you know what, he's a better player than I thought he was. And yeah, man, just massive respect to Newcastle, man. They're doing their thing. Um, hey, who, would have thought, who would have thought, just on that, who would have thought that um, 
Eddie Howe, sorry, would go into Newcastle and literally turn them round into a relegation team without any big signings, really. Without any real big signings and make them the team that they've been this season. I swear not. That, that shows a sign of a good coach. That's a yeah. coach that's gone in there and actually coached a team, a philosophy and a style that, that suits the players that they have. And they've gone on. And this season, I mean, at, at the beginning of the season, I thought it's a bit of luck. They're going to crumble. They ain't crumbled. They ain't it's crumbled. Fun. It's, it's funny because... I spoke to uh, Amanda Stavardley at an event. Her and her husband, fantastic people. Like we had a massive time, and she was. She said she was open. She said, "Look, man, I we were looking at Arteta. You know, we really were. Um, we think he's a great coach." Uh, but then she goes, "Yeah, but you know, we chose Eddie, and she just said he's, you know, he's been absolutely fantastic." But I wonder, Farah, you let me know, was his tactic more like, "All right, look, man, they want to get us all out here for bigger fish." let's all galvanise together and make sure that we show them we deserve to be here. Do you reckon it was one of them? Because they all seem like they're playing on side and yeah. I thought he was going to be gone by, do you know what I mean? Like six yeah. months later. So you know, I think they look together, don't they? I think that, you know what? The, the best team I played in was when I was at Liverpool and it was like a new team. They were supposed to have got relegated. The expectation was really low and all of a sudden you come together as one and it's like we're going to fight for each other. And you have a couple of leaders in that that you really listen to. And I can see, if you look at Joe Linton, he looks like he's a leader. Trippier, I think that was a huge signing. I know people said, oh, he's gone for money, this, that, and all that nonsense. I think he's a massive, I think he's massively respected by the players. And I think he shows great leadership. And also, it wouldn't surprise me if what he learned under Simeone Atletico in terms of, you know, Atletico being hard to beat, a defensively organised team, that will nick results, that kind of mentality that he would have said to Eddie Howe, look, this is how we won at Atletico. This is why we were as good as what we were. And kind of making because look at that back four, back five, and that back five. They haven't, they don't change it. Mm. They haven't changed so, that back five. He said it on Viber Five. He said that he had acquired like certain knowledge and skills from uh, Simeone anyway. So I think you're 100 percent mm. right. That experience yeah. comes into the team. Um, but I'm trying to run it through anyway. You got Fulham nil, West Ham one. Uh, David Moyes just seems to. I don't know how he. I don't know how he still got a job, man. Like obviously I like Moyes in general, but. I thought he was. I thought he was. <laughs> I thought he was done, but yeah. Yeah, it looks like he's still in the job. Leicester nil, Bournemouth one, uh, and again we've already discussed Leeds versus Crystal Palace. Wow, exciting football! Um, I don't know what to say really. Um, there's a few uh, games. Farrah, 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 on um, was it Friday night? Uh, no, uh, well, Thursday. Thursday. Thursday night. Yeah. Um, how big of a deal do you reckon that is? Do you think it's a good idea to have that, um, like Euros and um, is it, is it Copper America? It's not, is yeah, it? Copper America, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's, I mean, it's, it's something different, isn't it, for the women's game? They have it in the men's, and we've seen it with Argentina and Italy. So I think that it's nice that they're recognizing that they could do that also with the women. It's an, it's an added game, uh, something else to play for. I, thought it was a, I mean, I don't know if you lot watch it at Wembley, 83,000. So there's obviously a, a want in terms of the fans wanting to be there. Because um, tickets price, ticket prices weren't cheap. I think tickets really? were about fifty pounds. I mean, my tickets were like fifty pounds. There was tickets that were hundred pounds, so they weren't cheap tickets. So fans are wanting to to pay to go and watch the Lionesses play. Um, and I don't know. I thought the game itself was a, was a great game. A game of two halves. I know it's very cliche, but England dominated the first. Brazil changed the style of play in the second. Literally dominated, and the Lionesses are hanging in there, and it goes to penalties. So it was a, a great spectacle. Man. I see Richarlison was there as well, isn't it? Yeah. Supporting. He said they'd take to a barbecue for them if they'd have won it back in Brazil. I was like, it's a bit far. I could have kept them there at Tottenham. 
<laughs> uh, guys well listen that's it for this week's episode of Viable 5 uh, I want to say thank you so much for stepping up you don't big yourself up enough please can you let them know about your podcast yeah boots, boots balls and bras we listen out and we, we put it out on a Tuesday 5pm uh, get listening sign up subscribe whatever it is mm. Apple Spotify Instagram you can get the link off boots balls bras get following please guys Make sure you check it out. And also make sure you follow her. Her socials are in the description. Myself and Steve's as well. And yeah, we've got content coming out this week. Obviously, this is the last leg of the season. So we've got all types of uh, fantastic uh, videos coming out. So please make sure you stay tuned and keep supporting us, man. We're trying to be here. Rain, sea, sleet or snow. Steve, have a good one, mate. <laughs> All right. See you guys soon. See you guys. See you. Thanks. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 